0: Well, it's a new year, but it's the same great podcast. Welcome back to Hockey 24-7. It's been a very long wait, uh, but we are back with a bang, coming to you live, well, delayed live rather, uh, from the Grind Coffee Shop here at Malrose Arch, and I'm joined by my regular uh, co-host, the man in the middle, a guy who knows everything there
1: is to know about hockey, Tyron Bonner. Tyron, welcome back. Yeah, Derek, welcome to the new year. Welcome back to South Africa after your little escapades. Of course, we have uh, two or three episodes that recorded last year, but this will be the first one for uh, 2020 and uh, what a good place to start yeah magnificent place uh, I've uh, been lucky
0: enough to have been hosted here in the past uh, by the grind uh, for some other productions that I do but this time around the first time Hockey 24-7 is uh, being hosted so thank you very much to Brian and his team for, for playing along and uh, it's always great to find a, a venue that's, that's willing to host us so well and that they certainly do with aplomb but uh, it's not just the fact that they're hosting us but they're hosting our very special guest we've had him on the show before, but this time in person. Tyron, tell us who it is, although well, I'm looking right at him, so I know.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think uh, on his CV and his accolades, there's going to be a lot of things one day, but probably right at the top, will be first person ever to be a guest twice on Hockey
0: 24-7. Oh, that is an achievement and a half. It actually can go uh, on top of his CV, I think, just under the fact that he's a national coach.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and he's going to be an Olympian with the team, and ladies and gentlemen, welcome Gareth. Springs. Ewing.
0: Hey guys,
2: thanks for having me again.
0: Yeah, absolute pleasure, Gareth. Uh, Has the new year been good to you so far? What, we are 22 days in?
2: It it has been. Uh, Fortunately, when you you do work in a school for your day job, things start a little bit later, Um, but it's been a sprint, to be honest, getting ready for what's coming up and and also just laying down a few things at St. John's. So it's been fun, but it's also been quite hectic.
1: Well, and I think that's uh, a really interesting point that I think all the hockey public in South Africa always know but you are the national men's coach and you're talking about your full-time job at uh, St John's absolutely Uh, unfortunately or fortunately I'm lucky to work in such a great
2: place is uh, that I got to pay the bills and SA hockey I think they would love to but they're not in a position to do so so I'm classed as a volunteer and uh, yeah I I have two jobs I guess
0: yeah you don't ever really hear Rassi Erasmus or Mark Boucher speaking along those terms about having to fulfill their day job requirements, but it's something, it's a drum that we keep on beating the fact that hockey certainly is underfunded and uh, every little cent counts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and probably your bigger challenge is not from your own personal funding, although that is a challenge, it's the funding of the team itself.
2: Sure, we, uh, you know, we always, it's just a struggle and we, we work as hard as we can and. We engage all the time on this process, but I think it's also, we should be upfront and say that players are still at times having to take money out of their own pockets. And and that's that's hard to swallow, uh, even if it's something that at times you just have to accept.
1: Yeah, and, and and Springs obviously, specifically in a year like 2020, it is an Olympic year, Tokyo Olympics. We have confirmation that we're going, you know, we met all the criteria, but we we're still waiting for confirmation. Sasco have given us that so SA hockey will be there. We've been drawn in the pools. This is a big year for the team and a lot of players will, will be trying to balance careers and studies as well as six and ten months of hockey.
2: Absolutely. And on top of that, you know, have a number of players who, who have made uh, their lives overseas, uh, whether that's through hockey or now most of them starting to work full time as well. So the balancing acts are, are many. And as exciting as it is, it, it entails an, an element of sacrifice, uh, I guess at any level of international sport you're making some kind of a sacrifice but it's it's tough for the guys and I, and I really really respect what they do and the efforts they 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 make to to be available
1: and uh, and obviously the the season is really getting underway for South Africa in the next week, heading down to Durban, taking on first your s a a side which is a, a blend of players with caps and and guys uh potentially the future of South Africa. Um, and then after that, taking on USA, how, what is the preparation like for a summer series like this?
2: So the end of last year, we had a really long high-performance training, training block, which I was lucky enough to be able to travel around and see the guys. And that was, that was really interesting for me and, and really positive. And the guys really put a lot of work in. Uh, December was a little bit lighter. Uh, we asked the guys to have a rest, even if it meant losing a little bit of fitness, but they were on a maintenance program. And, and now we jump into the series, it's going to be very, very intense and it's deliberately been made physically demanding. I think it's, it's 10 matches in 14 days, which is a little bit ridiculous, but it's, it's doable if the guys have done their jobs in terms of keeping their conditioning where it needs to be. And, you know, the goal of putting together and, and resurrecting the South African A-team is to give players an opportunity. And for me to, to, to say, look in the mirror and, and say that I've given everybody a chance to play for selection. And and I think those games are going to be a lot spicier than just, just just practice matches, and then obviously we jump into four test matches against the USA, which we had some really fun games against them back in back in June, and I think uh, it's it's going to be tough again.
0: Well, not just fun matches against them in June. Uh, wasn't it the fact that that last second victory that uh, managed to secure your place in what was what became your Olympic berth?
2: absolutely it it was uh, winning that semi final that's that's put us on this
0: path and in the dying seconds as well
2: absolutely i think there was 28 seconds left in the clock on the clock and, and and the usa had actually just missed a chance so it was a very close series again the rankings tell a lie to be honest because the usa are a competitive team they're well coached they're well prepared a lot of them play in europe and the fact that they they are relatively low ranked compared to us doesn't actually mean anything in terms of the competition that we're going to be facing.
0: I think very rarely you get a poor American team in any sport. We know how big they are. We know how much they pride themselves on sport. Uh, They've got the money. They've got the colleges to back them up. And we always speak about, in rugby terms, the sleeping giant. And and we've seen, once they get their act together, we look at the seventh circuit, and and we can only be very grateful that they haven't cast their attention to the 15-man game yet. But, uh, yeah, as you say, they were extremely competitive in that tournament uh, when it came to the hockey front.
2: They were, and I think... um Again, they're a little bit of a Cinderella sport there, as you can imagine. Relatively small. Uh, They they search far and wide to find guys with a field hockey background. And they are. I think they're on the up, And it would be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see them in a training phase as opposed to a competition phase. And uh, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, and of course, uh, for the listeners who aren't aware, this summer series will be different. Because even though they are test matches, just part of a, a summer series... Every single test match now, since the 1st of January this year, carries ranking points. So uh, our rankings are going to start looking a lot more readable going forward because it's going to be a lot more true to current form. So there is a little bit of something to play for and the fact that they rank below us means uh, if they win games we lose uh, quite a lot of ranking points. Absolutely, they'll take
2: points away from us, Uh, we can take points away from them. It's very similar to what you'd expect to see in the tennis format. I think, it's, I think it's good. It does set a, a new challenge because if you're not playing games, you're going to be sliding no matter what. So that's another challenge for us to face. But I do think in the long run, it's going to be much, much better for hockey globally to have this fluid ranking system.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and to take a bit of the weight away from maybe the continental championships, although they do still weigh quite a lot, which unfairly favour certain uh, certain countries in terms of rankings. Sure. Obviously, your big events, you'll still get more points. The fact
2: is now you at least will get something every time you play, and that's a good thing. I mean, you need to be a mathematician to work out uh, the the equations. But I think we'll all get the hang of it, and we'll all start to understand how much these games actually do mean over a sustained period of time.
0: You say it encourages teams to play more and and play consistently, but of course... I think South Africa certainly are hamstring in that regard because it's not simply a case of let's schedule some matches and play them. because firstly, uh, we've spoken about the funding and we'll continue to speak about the funding. Uh, a lot of players are based overseas to get them uh, in action. is quite tough. So it's still quite tough to to get a series going.
2: It is, and you know we worked quite hard on this. We were in negotiations with quite a few few nations. Unfortunately, of course, the Pro League, which is an amazing event if you're part of it, does make it harder for, for the smaller nations or the, the nations not involved to find opposition this time of year. Um, fortunately, obviously, we're not the only ones in that boat and hence the USA are here. They've been keen to come for a while and we hooked up with them in India and we, and we made it work and we're really, really excited and really positive about that. But yeah, to try and find another 30-odd matches a year is always going to be our challenge.
0: Thank you very much, To The Grind, delivering our coffee uh, uh, with uh, excellence. Uh, Thank you so much. Your name? Bianca, thank you so much. You're you're an absolute star as you put that down. Thanks once again. Uh, To The Grind, Uh, you you mentioned a little earlier, uh, Springs, about the SAA side, about how it's going to be a lot more than just a a practice match. And A couple of friends of mine who have represented uh, the country uh, on the sporting front in various codes, they say... Some of the toughest matches they ever played was when it was the national team up against an SAA side. And, and that usually is the case because, of course, you've got guys that are napping at the heels uh, wanting to, to make it into that side. And this is their one chance to do just that. Do, do you not worry about injuries and things like that?
2: Well, you know, obviously, it's actually what I want. I'm very happy that we, we're having this level of competition. And I know that having been somebody who worked in an SAA system as a younger coach, it's such a great opportunity for, for players and staff to, to make their mark and to, to learn something. And I expect nothing less. I expect the guys to, to play really hard. Remember, every single person is eligible for Olympic selection. And, and my team is far from settled. So it will be tough and it will be physical. And I think it, it might get a little bit heated. But a part of our big pro, big focus culturally is, is to keep that level of mutual respect, which I know we will have. Um, with regards to injuries, unfortunately, they happen. And it's it's part of sport. It's uh, partly bad luck and partly if you pay attention to your conditioning, you should be okay. But again, things happen. So unfortunately, you've got to play hockey to, to pick a team. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens when we play against those guys in a, in a week.
1: Yeah, and, and Springs, uh, if we look at uh, the SAA squad, uh, can you share who will be coaching or overseeing it or turning the series?
2: Yeah, sure I can. Um, Nati Ungubani is going to be managing the team. Sisley uh, and is going to just change his hat for the first week, and he's going to be coaching those guys with Justin Collins assisting him, and some other uh, local stalwarts are going to be involved there as well. Keegan Pierce and
1: John T. Robinson will be helping behind the scenes. Okay, brilliant. So it's, uh, it's not only exposing players to a national level; it's also exposing some coaches who are future national coaches potentially.
2: Very much so. Um, you know, two, two thought processes that I had there was the, the KZN guys were, were really excellent in terms of their contribution during the high-performance block, and they deserve the reward, and, and also to, to just give people the exposure. It's a level higher than IPT, and the only way you get used to playing high performance is to be exposed to high performance.
1: And now from our, You and I chatted last year when South Africa took on Namibia, and we, we said, look, we're going to have to start playing the Southern African com- countries a little bit more firstly to get test time, but uh, are we going to start looking at maybe playing an SAA side or an SA Masters over 35 side a little bit more regularly? Or is this something that for now is just a one-off?
2: I have been in discussion with Saha and I've said that we need to make SAA part of our firmament and we will be selecting an SAA group again uh, at IPT later in the year. So we are going to look to carry it on and, and I think it would be really exciting and really culturally positive to, to even take on a, an over 35s group uh, perhaps with a little handicap system in place or something like that I think that would be really great for, for the environment we've had conversations already we haven't found a date yet but we are very keen to play in Namibia again possibly there this time funding uh, dependent and and water dependent to be honest uh, uh, one or two other African countries have felt us out so that is definitely going to be on the calendar at some stage this
1: year And the importance of African hockey can't actually go understated. I think, I mean, we face a proper challenge. When we go, and we can go back to September last year, Stellenbosch, whatever name we were using, but it was ultimately the African Cup. And what we have started to see is obviously South Africa and Egypt are the two powerhouses, play for the top. But we're starting to see Zimbabwe, Namibia, just slowly start to close that gap. Of course, Kenya offer... Exciting slash different challenge, but but African hockey does need to step up to to make those games a lot stronger. And I think the ranking points could possibly help that as well.
2: Very much so. Um, we all benefit from playing a game with ranking points. It just changes the whole outlook that you have to take into that match. from From the point of view of, of, of my team and and what we have wanted to do is, and I want us to be closer to Africa. I want us to play African games every year, and and that in theory, not to sound that sound arrogant, is that that could help raise the standard overall. And the more regular competition we all have, the better. It gives me an opportunity to to potentially play some youngsters, uh, to experiment a little bit. And you never know um, who, who will come through from that and, and, and be successful in the long run. So it's very important for us. And it's, it's on our doorstep. And I think we have a responsibility to African hockey, as, as they do to us, to, to, to make the relationship more more
1: consistent. And Springs, because we spoke about it, let's go back to September. South Africa, we were fairly com- comfortable throughout the series. Austin Smith playing some of the best hockey of his life. Um, you know, different guys contributing at different times. But then we took on Egypt in the final game. And, uh, you know, Egypt brought a, a traveling party that looked bigger than... Uh, a big fat Greek wedding, I mean, I was sitting in the stands with probably 12 or 13 ambassadors, not coaches, ambassadors, um, plus they had coaches and stuff, and they looked really fired up, and, and they took a 1-0 lead in that game. At that point, were you still calm, cool, collected, and still thought, or, or was there a little bit of that panic setting in? So, just to re- to refer
2: to your, your comment about Austin, um, he said to me afterwards if he could roll that turf up and take it home with him, he would, because... It, it just really seemed to to he, had, he really seemed to feel it and and he flicked outstandingly the whole week, and and one of the things about playing in the African tournaments is you need that banker flicker to just help you get through your games early on, put the team under pressure, score corners, and he did that so well. Um, in terms of of the Egyptian side, I think there's always it always just changes the mood. You know we understand. The, the level of competition we understand their quality they have really got some really genuinely outstanding hockey players and we, at one 0 down at half time I, I, you know there was obviously a little bit of a little bit of nerves but I did know that we still had not played particularly well and I think that we knew we could make some tactical and technical changes and we went out and did that and and the guys really just responded so well. I do think um, slight advantage of it being a pool game that Egypt couldn't draw and they really had to chase it. And I think they chased very hard early on and, th- and that chasing was not sustainable and that helped us a lot in the last 15 minutes. You,
0: you spoke about Namibia uh, looking to, to organize a series there with a lot of dependence thrown in. And it is a pity you speak about Egypt and I mean being so far north uh, in Africa, us of course being on the southern tip and massive space in between. And we mentioned earlier about how it's not an easy case of arranging matches. But as you mentioned, the likes of Zimbabwe, Botswana, Namibia, etc. I mean, what would it take to, to, to make these matches a, a more regular thing? Um, and then again, maybe even bringing up the SA guys when their big names aren't available, which is more often than not. I think, I think it just is the will
2: to make it happen. You know, the, the, I know I can speak for the Namibian guys and I'm a big fan of Namibia and I, and I think they're a really nice group of people to play hockey against and to talk to is that they are just keen to play and they, they understand they're on a journey you can see how their indoor has improved by having more competition and, and it's just a question of having enough will at federation level t- to make it happen we understand the costs I think it would be great to get uh, some of the when I say smaller, I mean, you know, like Zimbabwe, who, who have a long way to go in terms of developing the hockey or bringing it back to what it may have been once upon a time. But it's got to happen by playing. And to have a, a Tri-Nations with Zimbabwe, Namibia, later on this year would, would really be outstanding. And I hope that all three federations agree and, and, and can make it happen.
1: Yeah, it would be really great. And, uh, I mean, I was fortunate enough to go to Zimbabwe last year, not last year, year before, in August, for that indoor hockey series there. And what I saw there was a, a hockey public, that are actually dying for Zamaki, and you know it would be great to have some sort of exchange. We've seen it work for the SA Women's Indoor. You start off playing Namibia, play a lot of games against Namibia, Zimbabwe, and now Poland, Czech Republic, Switzerland want to play you. They want to spend money to get you there. They, they're not even making you spend it all yourself. And you put yourself almost in the shop window a little bit by playing your Southern African neighbours.
0: Tyron and I last year were in Durban for the tri-series between uh, South Africa, Zimbabwe and Botswana, the, the women's indoor. And as Tyron mentioned, uh, so we were, were streaming the matches live and commentating. And by far and away, the most spectators we had, the most viewers um, were from Zimbabwe. Uh, I mean, they, they were living, eating and breathing this stuff. And they were just so desperate to get some sort of hockey coverage of a sport that they dearly love, but they don't get to see enough of.
2: I mean, I think it's just exciting. We all, you know, the hockey fraternity around the world, always going to love their home team and always going to want to watch and be involved. So yeah, I I just want to keep the conversation going, which is something that I I was quite firm on right at the beginning of my tenure, and it's something that I haven't haven't changed my
1: my mind about. And of course, uh, ten year could be pronounced as ten years. <laughs> could we see you as the coach for ten years or? Uh
2: I uh, I don't think so. I, my my um, my appointment is till the next World Cup in 2013, and um, we will see what happens closer to the time.
0: Oh, you're going back a, back yeah. a stretch. 2023.
1: That's it. That's it. <laughs> and uh, I mean, obviously, 2023 World Cup, we're going to surprise surprise, India. Have you decided to buy property there yet? Because you've been there so many times.
2: It is um, it is interesting, isn't it? Um, it tells you something about the, the market forces in our sport, I think. But um, you know what? It's actually, India not the problem. It's absolutely fantastic to go there and to play hockey there. It's just the journey to get there is, is a challenge. Um, we have somebody to, to, to blame for no more direct flights to Mumbai, but we'd, we won't go into that. <laughs> um, I, it's just, that's the challenge. Uh, logistically, it's a big issue for us. Uh logistically, I think for most of the smaller countries, it is a big problem. But to go to India and play hockey, I'll never say no to that.
0: What is the flight schedule nowadays? I was there years ago and mine was directly to Mumbai. Uh,
2: no, now it's three flights. Um, you've got to kind of connect through, through Dubai or Delhi and then onto your destination. So it's a, it's a challenge. Um, obviously not insurmountable, but, you know, 36 hours of traveling is not the best way to acclimatize. Which brings when we, sorry Derek, but
1: uh, when we talk about challenges, so travel is a challenge, but uh, obviously since you've become the head coach, you've been involved, but but uh, since you've been the head coach, you've been probably, your eyes have been open to how many challenges there really are. Are you able to share some of the challenges that you faced?
2: Yeah, look, I think. Some of them might sound quite small. Some of them, some of them are, are relatively relatively big. I think um, some of the small ones we've managed to overcome, and that's very largely due to the hockey community and their involvement. You know, upgrading our equipment. Um, next step is 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 getting our analysis equipment up to the level that it needs to be on. Um, a lot of the, the resources are just not available to us from a financial point of view, and that unfortunately a lot of it comes back down to that. Um, it's difficult to to constantly challenge players to, to pay their own airfare to, to fly, whether it's from Durban to Joburg or from Amsterdam to Joburg is, is difficult. Um, I think the, the, the Saha exec are, are working hard and, and they are very engaged and they understand the situation and I hope that um, they're going to keep engaging with it because because I think we, we could do so much better than we do at the moment. Um, I, I also hope that in the world that we're in and in the economy that we're in we can actually find somebody in the private sector who wants to be involved and who wants to support us and and who wants to understand the the transformational aspects of our game that are that are really coming to the fore and that it's something that is is something that a whole community can get behind
1: and really wants to be a part of well and gareth i'm, I'm glad you brought that up because you won't tell people this but your first test match in charge of south africa you uh, played against Namibia in Ramburg, and your starting lineup in the opening game was 9 out of 11 players of colour. Now, South African hockey gets lambasted incredibly on social media for the lack of transformation. You, through your under 21 team, as well as now with the senior team, are showing probably the best progress we've seen from anyone. Is that a core focus of yours, or is it just we've got the talent, let's use what we've got?
2: I think that um, a lot of the structures below, below the national team have, have started to feed the system really well and, and the sport is, is transforming organically. There are people who will always say that it's not enough and that it's not fast enough and, and, and whatever and I'm not going to engage with that. I am going to say that there's, there's very positive movements and it's something that we are serious about and that we believe in and that we understand its importance nationally. And at times, it's, it's um, something that we're very happy to be a part of and really want to engage with it all the time. And um, I'm lucky that I have such talent to draw from. And as I said, that's a lot of credit to the coaches below me in the system. And I think it's only going to continue to improve and continue to grow and we're going to continue to diversify.
1: And of course, we did see it both on the outdoor, which is under yourself, as well as the indoor under David Joshua, uh, we've seen a, a massive trajectory in the positive uh, direction for transformation in men's hockey. So I think credit to everybody involved in that.
2: Absolutely. It, it's, um, it's something everybody believes in and everybody is conscious of. And, and the, the conversations and the discussions we have a, a, around it, you know, at boardroom level, and they're, they're robust, but they are honest and everybody is on the same page in terms of moving the team forward.
0: So you spoke about uh, the little tournament coming up in 2023, the, the next World Cup uh, taking place in India. But before that, a uh, slightly big event taking place later this year. Uh, fixtures have been released, but your eyes must certainly be on Tokyo with, with the Olympics coming up. And it's amazing because Tyrone said, you know, we have got confirmation now that we will be participating, which is bizarre because uh, uh, just a little less than a year ago, if you'd asked someone in the street following what happened in India, um, they said, oh, we've qualified. But that, of course, wasn't the case. A lot of ifs and buts. But now we have got confirmation. And yeah, it's uh, around the corner now. It is. It's
2: um, it, There's a lot of excitement. And you can imagine how the squad feels. And you can imagine there's a little bit of anxiety there as well, because they understand uh, the maths around how many people are, can can go and, and how many people are going to be fighting for spots. So. That that brings its its own dynamic, but yeah, it, you know it's it's amazing. And considering the the rush that we, we were in when we went to India and we knew what we had to do, for the guys again, I I, I I take my hat off to them because they they just they just did it. They got it done. And and I'm I'm glad that um, we're going to be able to share the experience with the with the women's team. I think it's fantastic that we're both going, and I think it's so good for hockey in the country. Um, you know, there's a massive amount of planning already going into to getting us to Tokyo. Um, we've got all sorts of things going on which we can chat about, but it's it's a it's a big job as well. It's quite intimidating.
0: I, I love the fact that you put in the budget uh, that you want your roving podcast team there. That's uh, great news. Um, <laughs> it's got to get
1: signed off by Saskok. Are you still friends with everyone there? <laughs>
0: um, in terms of squad selection for Olympics, does it entirely rest on your shoulders? Not at all.
2: Um, You know, Saha are fully engaged in that process and I have a selection panel, which we are actually busy expanding. So that's important. Um, It's not my decision alone. Um, Obviously, I have a say and I am a selector. And it's actually primarily about uh, which players are going to put their hands up and give us difficult conversations to have. I said to the guys quite early on, I said, you need to make this as hard as possible for me. and, And I can say that they are doing that.
1: And also just to add the Olympics is of course the only tournament where you can only select 16 not 18 and how how tough is obviously you can bring the other two with but they sit up in the stands they don't stay in the village you know by all means and for purposes they are spectators unless an injury happens how difficult is that cut from 18 to 16? It's massive Um, physiologically the the
2: does put huge challenges on the team and it's something that you've got to be prepared for in terms of your conditioning. Um, it is a challenge again for us because we need to make sure we have those two reserves on our doorstep because again, a 36 or 40 hour travel from Tokyo when you're playing a back-to-back game is not going to give you much, especially if you lose a lose a goalkeeper or something like that. So that's um, interesting and it, it does change a little bit in terms of your selection balance in terms of how you look at your 16 players. You've got to have more versatility You've got to have people who can play through the lines and that uh, is always going to be a difficult
1: conversation. So would you consider trying uh, at 16 only during one of the Summer Series games? or that, That's a good question. It's, it's actually been in my mind for a while.
2: Um, I don't think that we developmentally are in a space where we can do that. I think we need to expose as many players as possible. We need to manage our legs. If I, again, consider the fact that it's 14 games or 10 games, sorry, in 14 days, and then another four games, five days later against Germany, we need to be sensible as well. So that's why also quite big squads are going to be a lot of rotation and guys who need rest
1: are going to get rest. And I think that's, that's also, uh, you know, I've seen the squads, uh, although though they've not formally been put up on SA hockey yet for, for this series, the squad for Germany is slightly different from the squad for USA. So you're again exposing more players to it. It's, it's all part of a selection process. And, and it's not just a
2: selection process for the Olympics, which might be tough for some of the players to swallow. It's about who can play further down the line. It's about who has a future and, and, and where you fit in. So it's a bigger picture process as well. And, and I think um, that's been quite difficult to try and maximize exposure of everybody. But there are also a core of players who are really important to me that I want to m- give them as much hockey as possible. So lots of balancing acts going on. Um, the Germany group there's some there's some really talented guys there and some really young guys and it's going to be interesting again quite a quite a deep end that I'm throwing them into there although I don't necessarily expect the German side to to be at full strength either Um, so it's going to be really fun to watch them play and see how they perform
0: looking uh, at the the Tokyo 2020 schedule. uh you mentioned uh, how many matches uh, you've managed to pack in, in in a short amount of days, uh, even the build-up to, to Olympics. Um, have you got your travel itinerary sorted yet for, for Tokyo? How is that going to work? Do you have any idea? We
2: are busy working on it. So we've actually got a, a city in Japan, uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce their name uh, right now, who have offered to host Tokyo. us. Tokyo. <laughs> 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 who are close to Tokyo, about three hours' drive. They've offered to host us um, for a, an acclimatization period and for training, which uh, is extremely generous, and we are, we are going to take them up on that. So that means that we'll we'll get into Japan early July. So hopefully have, have probably two weeks to settle in. That's the aim.
0: How did that come about, with a, a city close to Tokyo offering their services? I mean, did you guys actively go and search art venues or did people approach you
2: uh, a little fortuitous actually um canada who obviously had qualified earlier than us uh, had two cities that were chatting to them oh. and they they uh, gave us one so to speak so we are looking forward to that uh there's a little bit of work still to be done but that's our plan we have some friendlies arranged in in the village once we're in um and we're going to try look to get into the village at least five days before the tournament starts um Obviously, it's all about logistics and approval at board level, but uh, that's what we're talking about. The, there are a few other teams who have expressed interest in playing against us between now and July, which is exciting. Um, nothing official yet, but those are going to be going to help
0: us as well. Very kind of the Canadians to do so, but that doesn't mean that you can uh, let them off when you play them in your, your group Pool B clash in the Olympics.
2: Canada is a big game for us. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, it's funny how it often seems to to go that way. I think every Olympics and even the last World Cup, you know, Canada are involved, and their their program has grown immensely with with a, a strong South African connection there, which which we all know
0: about. Um, It'll be your fifth match, uh, in in Turkey. Yes,
2: I think that's right. Um, an interesting pool that we're in with 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 four major European sides uh, and ourselves in Canada and. Um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't think it really matters because at some point you're going to have to play them anyway. Uh, and you look at the maths, you know, we probably need two results to, to get ourselves into a quarterfinal, and that is a goal that I want to discuss with, um, with the team next week. But also, you look at it any way you like. To do that, we're going to be batting six places above our global ranking, uh, which is going to be a, a massive challenge, and it will be a massive achievement. And I believe it's very attainable, but it's going to be difficult.
0: I just want to quickly recap those sides. Uh, you mentioned uh, the four from Europe. We're talking Belgium, Netherlands, Germany, and Great Britain. And then, of course, the Canadians uh, and South Africa.
1: And, of course, when, when you put that on a on a list and, and you just think about hockey pedigree, Belgium, one of the top teams in the world right now. Germany, on their day, the best team in the world. Netherlands, almost the home of hockey. So, without saying it and stuff, obviously Great Britain... Is a game that we've done really well at the Olympics against before. Twenty twelve, we should have beaten them. We we really dominated the game. Would you, as a coach, target specific games, or or would you just go and give it all at every game? One of the things we've
2: spoken about uh, within the team is that you play to win every game, but you obviously understand which games you need to target the most. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you which ones we're gonna we're gonna go for. Um, but there are there are also different levels of, of winning. If we talk about goal difference and we talk about final final placings, uh, those things need to be taken into account as well. So you're never going to play against a team and just throw caution to the wind because you're going to get yourself into trouble. Uh, I do believe we can get two results out of our pool, even if we get one. Um, this is the funny thing at the moment. Even if we get one, and, and that will be the end of our tournament because we won't go to the quarterfinals, but we will still be batting... Three places ahead of our, uh, four places in fact ahead of our global ranking. So there's a lot to be achieved at the Olympics beyond uh, getting a medal, and and there's absolutely no way we're not going to go there without a little dream that that we can go very far.
1: Yeah, and once again, as we said already, the new ranking system means that even one result actually could be a lot more beneficial than in the old in the old system. And and obviously you have you have mentioned Canada could be a, a very important game. Obviously, the South African contingent there, we saw at the last World Cup, it was a game that we, and you were there as an assistant coach, it was a game we dominated. We created chance after chance. Uh, Aussie was denied by some very good saves, um, you know, and then all of a sudden we did score and they break get the, the stroke score and end up in a draw and, you know, at the end of the day, a draw ended up knocking us out on goal difference. That is quite clearly something in your mind. Um, but is this a chance to get one over Canada, get one over Greg Clark, or is it more a case of doesn't matter who the opponent is, it's more about what we can do for South Africa?
2: Um, yeah, look, Greg, I, I have huge respect for Greg Clark. I think he's, he's an amazing man and he's a great role model to, to all coaches and players. I, I don't think like that. Uh, it's not personal for me. It's a, it's a hockey match. We're going to do our best, they're going to do their best, and whoever
1: deserves to win on the day is going to do so. All right, and I have to ask this question. You uh, made the FIH hockey final thanks to a last-minute goal by Nick Spooner. You won the African Cup thanks to a hat-trick by Nick Spooner. Have you named your next dog Nick Spooner yet? <laughs> he, uh, I'm, just, I'm just really
2: happy for Nick because he, he shows such potential and he has such a, a will to perform. And uh, he he's done really well for us, and it's it's just it's quite special to have have somebody who who wants to do that, especially from midfield, you know. And uh, it adds it adds so much to to what you you take into your attack. And I'm I'm really pleased for him, and I and I hope it's actually just an indication of where he's actually going to keep
1: going to. And and I think uh, so. Nick is one of the people we have uh, have recorded a podcast with. We haven't released it yet. Um, Due to let's call it technical errors of my fingers being lazy, um, but we spoke to him and, and we found it very interesting. If you look at his record, he scores goals in big games, but he doesn't score many goals in other games. And we asked if it's something in him, and he, he he says no. He just he's always up for it, and if there's an opportunity to make a difference, he wants to be the player that does it.
2: He is one of those guys that I don't think he needs a team talk and I don't think he needs too much of a warm-up. He, he wants to play hockey. I think he's very mentally strong. Um, and I think that comes from you know, a background of having to train and work really hard to get into teams and obviously not afraid to, to put himself out there, which he's done so well in going to Germany and done so well at Harvester So I, I think you know, we, we need to create an environment where more and more guys just want to be like, be like Nick, to be honest.
0: Just uh, on that note, I know we, we chatted a little bit about it earlier, but regarding Nick Spooner's goal, uh, before we wrap up the show, describe the scenes following that goal against the, the Americans uh, in that semi.
2: Look, it's lucky that uh, Cicel Thule is such a light guy because he jumped on my <laughs> back uh, very aggressively. So um, that was one of the things. But I think the interesting thing is I literally just told or kind of glanced across at, at uh, Sia chungu to say, you better get warming up because you're the guy who's going to go in for the for the shootout. So, you know, we're really thinking a little bit ahead, uh, and especially considering the close call we just had against the USA when their guy kicked it on the far post. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Um, and, you know, it just kind of happened. You know, there was a last chance. You could see Nick was up to summing. Uh, he, he drifted quite far back to get the ball. And then... You kind of follow the ball, which in that stage of the game, you, you, you're quite emotional. So you're just watching the ball. And then, you know, he pops up on the far post. You know, Owen did a really good trap. He, he really improvised. Billy did a really good trap and really improvised as well. And I think, uh, you know, in those unstructured moments, if you can find somebody who can score a goal, your team is going to be a lot more successful. So extremely exciting. And then, of course, there's the, the massive panic as the goal goes in. You're thinking to yourself, well there's still 20 seconds to go here and, and your mentality does kind of shift and you get a bit nervous that you're going to give them uh, one more chance and, and all that kind of thing but it didn't happen so you know you take your win and you, and you you enjoy it because you know it might never happen again
1: and and <laughs> you know usually if we talk about this goal Derek tries to find my voice uh, voice notes so we were watching it and I, uh, I sent a, a ridiculous voice note. I was uh, busy driving to the Drakensberg, streaming on my phone, and it was the last four minutes and it started buffering. I told my wife reverse and we parked on the side of the road so that we could watch the last four minutes because I was scared that I was going to lose reception. Um, and it was, just, it was just, you know, as much as it was a, a happy moment, it was also a relief moment because you sometimes, or I personally sometimes feel that uh, as the men of SA Hockey, we're often against it. We, we haven't had the sponsorships that uh, the women have had, um, and that's not to take anything away from the women. But it's it's been a time where the men haven't had the sponsorship. I don't always feel like we've had the same level of support. And, you know, just to see us do this, and, and of course, we'd done this before the women, so it was no consideration. Um, it was a tough pool. We had started the tournament not really well, as, as South Africa often do in a tournament and to get over that finish line in the way that we did. You know, it's just one of those moments in sport that I always, I always like to describe as the, the Hugger Stranger moments. If you're in the crowd, you're going to turn to the person next to you and give them a hug, and, and that's what sports is all about. And, and from us as fans, we say thank you to, to your team for giving us one of those hugger hug hug Stranger moments.
0: I, uh, I like that description. Uh, are we going to see a few more Hugger Stranger moments in Tokyo? Uh, I certainly hope so, and that's definitely the plan. Brilliant. I think that just about wraps it up, but we've got our famous one-question quiz. I've got a question. Do you?
1: I uh, did not prepare a question, so no, of course I don't.
0: Okay, (laughs) well, it's going to hark back to our previous question because it usually relates to some way or the other the person's name. We did this last time, the same character, J.R. Ewing from Dallas. What does J.R. stand for? Junior. No. Not quite? Uh... It is two words. Um, First word, very easy. Think of probably the most obvious name in the history of mankind in English. John. Yeah. Okay. Second word. You don't even know this, Tyrone. (laughs) Not a a chance. Uh, Roger. Think of a a character from Friends. Rachel. Ross. (laughs) 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 Yeah. John Ross was was the guy. So I'll, I'll give you half a point. Tyrone snuck in there at the end and um, that wasn't a hug a stranger moment whatsoever <laughs> um i don't think you'll be giving Tyrone a hug for that uh, but I, uh, yeah. i'm not
1: a stranger i'm just strange <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah it's been an absolute pleasure having you back on the show the first man to to do a repeat uh, on hockey 24 7 Gareth.
2: thanks very much uh, it's always so much fun so uh, thank you i really enjoyed it
1: yeah and then obviously from our side, good luck for the summer series good luck for uh, playing germany up here at witz sorry we must just say uh, at ashton college down in uh, belito think they're going to be an outstanding host. Vitz uh, for the Germany series and then whatever series we have before Tokyo.
2: Yeah, look, I'll keep you guys filled in. Uh, there's, there's a lot going on. But yeah, we're very grateful to Ashton and KZN Hockey. Uh, really excited to be back up here in Joburg for, for, to play at Witz again. So uh, it's a good way to start the year.
1: We look forward to following it.
0: Most certainly so, and a big thank you to The Grind here at Malrose Arch in Johannesburg for hosting us once again, well, in terms of podcasting, but the first time that Hockey 24-7 is here, and uh, we'll definitely be back, Tyrone.
1: Yeah, I see, I mean, I see the Ray and Raiders uh, just walked in as well, so it's becoming the Raider officers.
0: Ah, great to see him, yeah, and uh, who knows, we might have a three-peat from Gareth uh, in the not-too-distant future to celebrate an outstanding achievement over in Tokyo.
2: Thanks very much. Hopefully I'll give you a reason to, to call me back.
0: For sure. Adios.